Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? Ben, I'm doing even better than I was an hour ago for us and I guess two days ago for anyone listening because Leandro Bolmaro is tearing it up and he is vindicating me and making Zach look like an absolute fool. How are yeah, you? I've, yeah, I've really been enjoying like your random reactions when I talk. Like I'm just making my point and I see Max make a face and I'm like, oh boy, Bolmaro did something. But yeah, I mean, as as you should probably know if you listen to the first one, I hope you have. And as Max has said, we're joined by Zach Milner of the Stephian uh, to talk about our, our Prep the Pro mock draft last week. So Zach, what's up? Not much. Uh, I've been enjoying Max's reactions as well. Uh, I did see a very nice uh, left-handed transition pass by Balmaro. Uh, I will give him credit for that. But I, I do want Max to just know that um, we'll see it, what happens. We'll see what happens. Three or four from three, Zach, too. Yes. Including uh, – So much for the Ben Simmons treatment in this game. Step back. Yeah, so I think Balmaro is officially – yeah, Bomaro is officially the best prospect in the 2020 class. So, um, so again, we're talking about um, Zach kind of um, giving an outside opinion on our, on on some of the notable picks from our mock draft, just breaking down uh, what we think about the fits a little more in depth than we did last week. So, without that, uh, let's get right into it with our first one of this episode, and that's uh, Devin Dotson to Utah. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their best upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Yeah, so Dotson, I I think he can be an NBA role player. I actually, one of my favorite guys to watch this year in general, but I don't think he's the best prospect, and I don't like his pick from a value perspective. Um, Unfortunately, Dotson's a... A small guard who who will only defend one position and doesn't really threaten teams with shooting off the dribble. Uh, he's a good driver who can put pressure on the rim, but I don't think I don't think the the pressure on the rim and the finishing will fully translate to the point it needs to. It'll still it'll still be good at the next level, but it won't be where it needs to be for him to be a solid on ball player. So that sort of puts him at an off ball uh, player who's an undersized player as well so it's like an undersized three and three off ball guard who's not even an elite shooter i actually do buy his spot up shot 
Um, a fun fact is he shot 40.5%, 17 for 42 on spot-up threes, not in the middle of the court, was 8%, 1 for 12 on shots in the middle of the court on spot-ups. <laughs> but, I mean, very weird there. But I actually do buy the spot-up long-term. But just seeing him, just picturing his role at the next level, what might translate versus what doesn't translate, I just don't view him as a first-round guy in this draft, yeah. even though yeah. I do think he can be a role player in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think there's much upside there. I'm definitely in agreement. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And Max, I I see you smiling. And I did that on purpose. Yeah, so I do agree a lot with you there. I have a lot of worries about Dotson. I'm, I'm probably like a little higher on you uh, board-wise. I think I have like like the low 20s. Uh, but yeah, but like all the concerns you espouse with, with Dotson, I totally agree. Especially next to Mitchell, who's going to be mostly on ball. And then they also have Joe Ingles uh, and Mike, who's heavy on ball. Mike Conley, who obviously had a down year this year, but is historically a pretty heavy on ball player. That just, that just doesn't leave a lot of room for Dotson in terms of there. So, yeah, I mean, I guess he can he, he can provide a spark um, in the second unit because he really definitely is going to get to the rim at a pretty good rate, though I'm not sure it's going to be uber elite. I mean, again, like the value of taking like a backup guard primarily in the late first is just not something I like. And especially with the defense, I mean, sure, he's fine at the point of attack um, in college and he was a good college defender, but like being six foot one um, in the NBA just really, really limits your defensive ceiling unless you're like, incredibly special, like someone like Chris Paul, which I don't think Devin Dotson is and I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be. So, yeah, I, mean, I definitely am in agreement um, that this is a good pick. Yeah. Or a bad pick, sorry. Yeah, and I, I, I would just prefer someone like Malachi Flynn in this spot over Dotson. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully with that. Uh, like, Dotson is someone who I, despite the archetype concerns, had had probably too high for a little bit i just lowered him a, a bunch um because i think even the the like people who who buy into him as like an upside guy i'm i'm really pretty out on that at this point and it's not just the decision making which isn't good it's that he's really not an off the dribble creator um at all uh i don't like I, i've expressed skepticism about the um rim pressure with him in the past but just to like uh, expand on that a little bit more, um, he he I think only has a six three wingspan and is about six one. Uh, he really just he doesn't like he can't do extension finishes at the rim. Like he can't get like he can't get the ball by people. Like like he he wasn't that good of a of a at the rim finisher in in college even. Um, and I don't think that he will be in the NBA. Uh, and he just I mean he just doesn't have capability to to break guys down off the dribble like. You had Tennessee sticking Eve Pawn on him for multiple possessions in a row, and like granted, Eve is a is a total freak show athlete and mover, but he's still a six nine, two hundred whatever pound human being. Like he's enormous. Like Devon Dotson is is this you know NBA caliber off the dribble creator. Like he, he should be able to get by Eve Pawn, especially if that's like his calling card as an offensive player. Um, so I just don't buy Dotson as an off the dribble creator at all. And like, while I do think that he's probably an NBA player, it's like, is there something less valuable than a one position off uh, one position guard defender who is pretty much strictly an off guard, doesn't have a pull up game even like, I, I don't think that there's like a less valuable uh, NBA player than that, except, I mean, maybe, maybe like a bad, like plotting offensive big man, but I don't know. I just I don't think there's a lot of value in the archetype that uh, Dotson represents, but I think that like for that, I guess he's he's pretty good at it. Uh, so I, I mean, I'd I'd still take him, you know, around the 
30 range maybe, but this is a bit high for me. Um, I haven't like thoroughly looked through who uh, some other options would have been at that pick, but uh, it's just, it's a little, it's a little rich for me. Yeah. All right. So I think we're good to probably good to move on to our next player. And that is uh, Xavier Tillman to Boston. So we'll let Max who, who made that pick talk about it. Oh yeah. So I've, I mean, we've talked about this like four different times on on this podcast that uh Tillman's a really nice fit for for Boston is like a leverage big man they can I uh, hopefully get him to shoot would you know really unlock him as a as a really valuable player um I'm, I'm going to talk about Tillman a little more later but I I really like combining him with Wiseman when I don't have the huge investment in Wiseman uh I think that they you know fill roles in a way that makes sense um where Wiseman can play, can soak up minutes in the regular season. And um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tillman Tillman can play, can play the clutch minutes because he is just such a brilliant uh, thinker of the game. So strong, so long um, and so skilled on both ends. Um, so I, I, you know, I think it's definitely a little weird to double down on big men in the first round of uh, an NBA draft in the year 2020, but I, I felt okay about it. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what Zach thought about that uh, combination. Right, yeah, I think that's a very interesting philosophy right there. And, and it makes sense. Uh, on the pod, you said how when it comes to like crunch time or if you need someone more a little bit mobile than James Wiseman, you would, I think you said you would go to Xavier Tillman or they just, they just fill each other's holes, which, which makes sense. Um, like you said, it is a little bit weird in like the year we're in, but with the Celtics, they also have a decent amount of picks. So, I mean, it's not too bad. Um, and yeah, I understand that. Something that I wanted to ask you though, since you, um, are a Boston guy is watching Grant Williams all year, um, seeing him close. How did you, how did that change your evaluation of someone like Xavier Tillman? Not the same exact player, but I think that could have had an impact on your evaluation. Yeah. So I loved Grant going into the draft, was thrilled that the Celtics got him at, uh, 22. Um, still very happy with him. Uh, but there's no denying that that the offense was a problem in year one. Um, so my my like take on Grant at this point would be that he was better than I thought he would be defensively. He was a really, really good defensive player. Uh, and the thing that he was able to do that surprised me was hold up as a center defensively um, because I, I just didn't think he could be a primary rim protector with his lack of, of vertical, even, even with like showing out at the combine with a relatively – good wingspan i think it's 610 while being 66 um you know I, I think those are pretty positive measurements for him but i still really worried about him as, as as you know the main guy protecting the rim but that wasn't really a problem i would say the only the only problems with grant defensively this year were, were a tendency to overhelp, which i think definitely didn't endear him to to brad stevens but uh the concerns that i had i, I didn't really show up i mean even i think there were you know people had some had some mild uh concerns about uh grant as a mover definitely as like a switch defender and he did great as a switch defender like he he had really good possessions on on some very very good nba guards uh to the point where i'm i'm even higher on him now as a as a switch guy uh but the concerns come on offense in that you know grant at tennessee was a dominant post player i don't have the numbers in front of me but i think he was 96 percentile efficiency on huge huge volume 
and he just wasn't a post player in Boston. Uh, now, granted, he was highly, highly efficient in his like 20 or whatever possessions it was, uh, but he didn't get to do it because he was asked, you know, to fill a more. Uh, he he was boxed into a smaller role, I'll say, um, where he was really asked to be a spot up shooter, occasionally a role man, and unfortunately, just as a shooter, is is not you know there yet. Uh, and he, he's definitely better as a shooter than um, his percentages show just because he opened the, the year, I think 0 for 25 and then was actually pretty passable after that. But I think the the takeaway is that you can't just assume that someone is going to be a shooter, even with good shooting projection, which Grant definitely had from a mechanic standpoint, from a long two standpoint, free throws, touch everything. Um, so I don't think you can just assume that someone who is a great college player will work offensively when there are legitimate reasons to, to be concerned about them offensively. And that, I think, applies to Tillman very well because he is a six-eight center who uh, who can't jump. Um, and so the, the question then is, you know, what is he uh, offensively? I, I think, you know, as a role man, he – He's kind of un- well, not unique, but he generates rim gravity in a way that I think is unusual. In that he is such a good screener that like he just takes the ball handler defender out of the play, and you like you ha- the big man has to commit to the guard, and you have to like you have to tag Tillman pretty hard. And so like he does create all of these advantages. He just does it in a way that's unusual compared to like a, a vertical spacer like Obi Toppin, who you know isn't setting screens, but. I think Tillman does that so consistently that I have a fair amount of faith in him as a role man. And then if you get the ball to him in advantage situations, he's just such a brilliant short roll passer. Uh, so I, I believe in him as a role man, but I mean, it, it's definitely a concern that if, if teams don't have to respect him as a finisher in the pick and roll, if he is, um, you know, no longer a viable post option because, you know, while, while he wasn't a huge scorer at Michigan state, like he, he was, he did have success in the post. Like if, if teams just don't have to respect him as a scorer, I definitely have concerns about that. Um, the, the grant defense thing with respect to Tillman is definitely interesting because grant, you know, his defense was able to translate so well, but I do think there's a difference between grant who's like more of a four uh, and has some like size and physicality advantages there versus Tillman, who's pretty strictly a five. Um, so being like, you know, six, eight, even with a plus wingspan is a little concerning for his NBA projection as a defender. Uh, and I know I've, I've been talking for forever right now and I'm, I'm sorry for that, but I obviously I, will, I have a lot to say on this, on this topic. Uh, so like on the whole, I would say I am less willing to just buy that a guy who has very legitimate concerns in terms of offensive projection is just going to figure it out in the NBA. However, it it doesn't lower me on Tillman too much. Um, So I I like, I'm taking it into account. I'm, I'm less just willing to, you know, assume that he'll be fine on offense, but um, I, he, he's probably a few, a few spots lower than he would have been had, had, um, you know, I've not been able to see how, how Grant played out in, in his first year, but it, it doesn't change it too radically because I'm still relatively high on Grant long-term, uh, just maybe maybe lower in the short-term, and maybe that brings some questions about how quickly Tillman will be able to uh, impact NBA basketball. Right, and and I think that's, I mean, perfect answer and depth answer, and uh, that's why I was curious because, I mean, we knew Grant Williams was a good offensive player at Tennessee, and it just didn't fully tra- – I mean, one year into his career, who knows, and – it still could be fine. I still like Grant Williams as a player, but I, I had my concerns out of college as well. And I think that's interesting to touch on. And 
like you said, the just being able to see Grant Williams this year impact. I mean, like you said, it wasn't too much, but it still was a few spots where it did impact a little. And that's something I think is important where watching the NBA, even though we're, we're trying to project college players to the next level, watching the NBA, seeing how your evaluation has changed or seeing how guys are succeeding, how they're failing. That's also very important when, when projecting players to the next level as well. Yeah, I, it, it doesn't really come into play this year, but I'm curious just for future drafts uh, about like not overthinking something like John Morant where he is just like a pretty freaky advantage creator and just like a brilliant passer and just don't overthink that. But uh, yes. I, I, along with some other people, definitely did overthink that. Included. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't come into play this year because there's no one who really fits into that. Um, but, you know, you think it, at least. <laughs> for, for future evaluations, um I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely conscious of that because I don't want to, right. don't want to make a mistake like that. Yeah. Uh, again. Yeah. I'll quickly make a, a point before we move on f- f- from this one that I mean, yes, I'm obviously like sh- shooting projection is, is hard to do, but I think Boston's a, 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 as good a place for any to, to hope Tillman shoots. I mean, they've had a really good track record of turning historical non-shooters like, like Aaron Baines and even Daniel Tice a little bit into passable spot-up shooters. And then Grant, who, like I said, I still have a lot of belief in long-term as a passable shooter. I, I do think it's a good spot. And yeah, we've talked forever about someone. So let's move on to our, our last first round guy, which is Malachi Flynn of the Sixers, which you briefly talked about as an awesome pick, awesome fit. Because it, it's really just the perfect compliment to Ben Simmons as, you know, Malachi is probably going to be a very, very high level shooter. Really great off the dribble, um, off the catch, um, like engined a uh, really great San Diego State offense because he's an incredible pick and roll player with, with awesome craft and, and, and timing and great snaking pick and rolls and screaming manipulation and getting to his spots and and finishing off the wrong foot and, and just with awesome touch and his runners are great. And yeah, I mean, just, I mean, he can run some pick and rolls, run on the ball when he's asked to, but then really have a lot of success off ball uh, next to Ben Simmons as this awesome shooter. And like we talked about, that's what the Sixers need. Are guys who can space um, and and play next to Ben Simmons in a bead, and Malachi is a perfect perfect fit there. So. Yeah, so I really really like this pick. Like you said, um, it's just it's just a great fit. He's someone who can play on the ball with the bench unit, but if you want to give him some extra minutes, he can play off the ball next to Ben. Um, most of his value does come on the ball, and he's probably will or should be in a pick and roll heavy scheme. He. I mean, obviously, he was one of the best pick-and-roll players in this class. Um, and just moving him to play off the ball would take away some of his value because he's also not big enough to have this huge impact defensively. While I will say that I do like his defense, I mean, his activity for his size is amazing. And I'm actually, with him, I'm very interested to see how his defense translates to the next level going up against bigger and better and stronger players because he is a little bit limited because of his size. But the activity there is great. I mean, that's why Philly is such a perfect fit, though, because Ben, as just an all-time movement freak, is going to take whoever the toughest defensive assignment is, like, pretty much regardless of position, unless it's, like, a, a straight five. Right. Um, so Malachi, like, wouldn't be taxed defensively there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think he'll probably be a negative uh, defensively just due to size in the NBA. But, yeah, he was he was a good yeah. defensive player on and off the ball at uh, – at San Diego state. But I, I mean, the reason that in contrast to, to like Tyrell Terry 
for example, I, that I like this so much is that like Philly does need somewhat of a pick and roll creator, like because they don't have a half court off the dribble creator. And Malachi Flynn is such a brilliant pick and roll player. Like I, I think he's a better pick and roll player than Cassius Winston. Even like he's he's not the same level of shooter, uh, but just an overall craft. Um, scoring at all three levels out of pick and roll and being a brilliant pick and roll passer. I think his, his overall you know package and pick and roll is, is probably better. Um, so he has that off, off um, that off the dribble creation. And then also is a spectacular, spectacular shooter with deep, deep range uh, who can shoot out of, you know, a variety of different uh, scenarios. So I think it's a, you know, dream fit. Like I said, I think on the, on the mock draft, like he would be target number one for me if I were a, a Sixers fan. Right. And, and just a few more things to know. Um, just like, yeah, like, like we've talked about the pick and roll, like that game against Nevada back, it was either end of February or early March. He had yeah. 30, like, he had 36 points in that game. Um, 11 or 12 of his field goals of his, of his 13 makes were all out of the pick and roll. Like just a phenomenal pick and roll player from scoring and passing perspective. And, and just going a little bit to more of his off ball play, since I said he's a sp- shooter, um, over his three years in college, even going back to Washington State, he shot 39% as a spot-up shooter on all, just under 200 attempts. And he, he has actually shown um, the, the ability to shoot off screens as well, like, although the volume hasn't been high. He's uh, been able to set up his defender for coming off screens to get a little space, correctly read the screen to either come off, curl, fade, whatever it is, and then set his feet quickly and knock down the shots. Um, He's more comfortable coming off screens when he's coming off to his right than to his left. But that's something that I'd, I'd be interested in exploring a little more also with him and, and seeing if he can grow to being a more of that kind of player as well, if, if they wanted to use him off the ball. Um, I do think with, the, with these movement shooters, and it does um, apply to Tyrell Terry as well, is most of these movement shooters we see are still a little bit bigger than these guys, um, and Malachi and Tyrell. Like, even J.J. Redick is taller than them. Um, so... So yeah, like sometimes um, you have to be able to churn midair to get your shots up if you're this small because it's easier for people to stay attached to you or they can contest your shot with their length or you have to be really quick or set up screens with your IQ. Um, but yeah, that's that's another interesting spot uh, part about his game. Yeah, I mean, just the like the off ball, um, you know, portion of the game. Uh, oh, I think we're going to talk about him more later, but that's why I think Nico is like the other option right here. Or I guess we're talking about Nico right now. We're talking right now, yeah. Pretty good transition into Nico. But Nico is, I mean, is such a brilliant off-ball player uh, that I, I think he would also make a lot of sense in Philly if they you know, preferred him to Malachi. But um, definitely not the the overall pick-and-roll player that Malachi is. Like, doesn't have the the crazy finishing craft that, that Malachi has. Uh, doesn't, I don't, well, I mean, he'll take floaters. He doesn't have the efficiency on floaters that Malachi has. Um I, I what probably like marginally bigger, but I don't know that it actually matters. Um, but would it be another nice option for Philly? Uh, but in this, he went to me as Boston uh, at 33 after a trade down. Um, so I mean, I I obviously gave my rationale on the mock. So Zach, you want to talk a little bit about another uh, Arizona guy in Nico Mannion? Yeah. So I mean, I thought it was a really good pick in value. Um, I know he did struggle this year and. Um, people have become more down on him recently. I still like him as a first-round guy. Um, I, I do think that's something to note with him is he just wasn't put in a position to succeed. He was asked to do so much, and without him, like, Arizona didn't have anyone else who can create. Like, like Baker was okay creating, but he's also not athletic. Like, they just had no one who could really create their own shot. And 
it just puts so much responsibility on Nico. Um, I, I will say, even though the competition was worse early on in the year, he still was really good throughout the first eight to nine games on the or of the year. And I would recommend going back and watching those eight to nine games. Not because, I mean, obviously the full season is a better sample, but we just want to make sure there's no recency bias getting um, getting taken into account here. Just go watch some of the earlier games and see how he played. I mean, I was able to go to the Wooden Legacy earlier this year and see them play Penn, which was probably his best shot-making game of the year. But just, just seeing that kind of shot-making potential is very intriguing. Um, like I said, the first eight games, I mean, it's just raw numbers here, but he was – he, he was shooting like he shot 47% from three on four attempts a game over the first eight games was scoring well, was passing well. He was an inconsistent player this year, but I think they were just, um, just the not being put in the best position should be taken into account when evaluating him. Yeah. I mean, and like Malachi, he is small for an off ball player, but I, I think it should be noted how good of an off ball player he is. Um, I think that probably he and uh, we talked about this a little off the air, Zach. But he and Bain are probably the best relocators in the class, de- and definitely the best after pass relocators. So like Nico will will make a pass out of out of some sort of primary action pick and roll or whatever, and then he relocates in such a smart way that he gets himself open and generates shots for himself off the ball. Um, so the, I mean that's just I mean he has he just has a skill set that I think translates very well to playing alongside a guy that you're you know, planning is, is your jumbo creator in, in Jason Tatum long-term. Uh, so I really, really like that fit. And uh, like I mentioned on the, on the, on the mock itself, like it was a huge value on my board. Cause I, I still believe in Nico also as a, as a first round uh, talent. Yeah. And, and, and Nico, I mean, he could play on the ball, but he was pretty much playing as the pure primary guard creator, everything this year. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not his ideal role, although he can still do it. Um, I was actually watching the Oregon game earlier this morning and that was probably uh, – it was the first Oregon game. It was probably his most aggressive game attacking the basket as well. Um, but, yeah, it was it was inconsistent throughout the year. But I, I just do think that going back – I mean, I think actually the last four or five games of the year as well, he started to pick it up. But I just do think that going back to, to watching how he looked early on in the year, even if it was against some worse competition, I think it's worth it. All right, so I think with that, um, we're good to move on to our next guy, and that's uh, Precious Achua to Toronto at 34, I believe. And that was my pick, so I'll quickly talk about it. I mean, I, I talked about it on the mock, um, th- th- how Precious is a little lower on my actual board than this, but um, I like the fit in Toronto a lot, as we've talked about on the pod, you know, with PD and on other instances about how, how good Toronto's development system is with, with Raptors 905 and how Precious, as someone who has a lot of issues with his shooting and his feel for the game and just a lot of offensive problems, is a really f- incredible freak athlete. Um, and with, like, with, I mean, he's not center size, but he has, like, 9-1 standing reach, um, so it can play small ball five, um, someone who's really impactful defensively at times with his rim protection and his length, uh, playing in passing lanes and making rotations. Yeah, and as someone who I liked a lot as an upside swing and, like, a project that's, like, very, very Raptors type, um, it just kind of, like, a, a thing they would do, I think. And I think if this if they were presented with this option in real life, that they'd probably make the same pick. And I mean, Zach, I know you're probably a little higher on Precious than both Max and I are. And we talk about talk a lot about the the flaws of Precious Achua on this podcast. So Zach, why don't you give your perspective on Precious and on this, this pick as a whole? Yeah, so I have a decent amount to say here. Um, first of all, I thought it was a really good pick for Toronto. And like you said, behind Milwaukee, probably one of the best spots for him, um, given their de- or de- developmental track record. 
Um, I think ideally you do want him on a faster paced team, but I mean, you can't really complain about him going to Toronto just because of their development. Um, I, I've talked to Max about this over the last couple of months and I've tweeted about it as well, but, but I think his off ball defense and his awareness is probably a bit underrated. Um, while he has had some very frustrating mistakes on that end, he, he had a good amount of impressive flashes and rotations to protect the rim. Um, like you said, he's just a freak athlete. Um, a couple of years ago, I was one of the more optimistic ones with DeAndre Ayton's defense because I saw the flashes there, even though he had those plays where he just wouldn't finish the plays, wouldn't protect the rim. And I mean, it's frustrating to watch, but you're project, we're, not pro- we're projecting to the next level. We're not just thinking about how they are now. You want to see improvement. So, so seeing flashes, I mean, you can't always go by the flashes. You want to see enough flashes. I think I've seen enough with Precious, like I did with, with Ayton, to where I think that I have faith in his defense um, – in his defense there and we know that like he can he's a versatile defender as well i mean he'll still get blown by by some players but i mean i, I was watching aau the other day um and he had a good possession birth. he had actually multiple good possessions with anthony edwards on the perimeter so like just being able to, to to switch as well is impressive for him and i do buy the the defensive awareness um although i'm not 100 percent confident in it uh before i before i go on do you, th- do you have anything about the defense I now good keep going. Yeah, I mean, as as a center, I have very few concerns about Precious as a defensive player. I mean, I think he's a, he's a good defensive prospect as a center. Um, I do think that his like his mobility is very good, but I I I still have some questions about him as a perimeter defender. He has some really bad uh, um, footwork moments for sure. Uh, but yeah, on the interior, I would say underrated. Like, has really really good moments. Um, I w- wouldn't say like stands out negatively as an awareness guy. Uh, definitely a good a good defensive prospect as a center. Right, and like you said, yeah, there are some footwork problems defending the perimeter, but I, I do think with him, he's also shown that he could recover with his with his athleticism. Yes. Yeah. Where he, we can recover to the rim and block the shot still, even if he gets beat. But but yeah, so the the question with him mainly is is the offense. I think we all agree that he's a center, not yes. anything else. Absolutely a center. So, of course. so yeah, so, so no. he's a center. Um, I said he should be using a fast paced lineup. But the thing is, he, he might be a liability on that end. And the, the thing with him is you want to think about how can that not happen. So I'm not all in on the shot yet. I mean, maybe a team like Toronto or one of the better teams who can have had good stuff with shooting, good for him. But I think the way to use him is you just put him in a fast-paced lineup and then you use him as a roller and you have shooters around him as well so there's not bad spacing. So while his touch isn't great, I think that he has shown coordination to where when he's rolling to the basket, he can adjust midair to get to his right hand, to get to his left hand and try finish. And if he gets a good, if he gets a good screen set, he's going to have to have one of the guards helping on him or tagging on him. So, so even if he misses that layup at the rim with whatever touch his hustle and motor, I mean, we both know, we all know that he's very active and he can get offensive rebounds. Even if he misses that first touch, he can go up and bully the guard to have to help on him and get the offensive rebound and put it back. Okay, sure, that's not ideal, but just thinking of ways that he could be used offensively, maybe he becomes a better finisher. Maybe he becomes a better screen setter, which opens up his role game even more. Um, maybe his shot does get better. All of those are avenues for him to being a fine offensive player to where he's a pretty valuable defensive player with what he can do at his size. So I just think that while there are a lot of questions about him, while I'm not 100% confident in him, he, he could fill a pretty valuable role, and it's pretty clear if, if, if he's being used as a center. 
Yeah, to me, that's an overly optimistic projection of him offensively. Like, I, I, yeah, it's nice that he can do some cleanup, and he he is a very high motor player. But that's that's a really sub suboptimal situation to be in. And I mean, I just think that like he's probably one of the highest percentage of bad shot guys in the class and highest percentage of bad miss guys in the class. He's just an, like an incredibly low feel and low touch player. Um, so I think he's going to be a really bad offensive player, even as a center. Um, just such a horrific decision maker. Um, like, yeah, the, the, there are nice aspects to him as a motor guy, but I, I think that all of his value is going to be coming on on defense, and and it's going to be a pretty side. Like, he's going to have a lot to overcome from his negative impact on offense, uh, and that probably explains why. Even even as you know, even if you were being drafted strictly as a center, I'd be still a bit lower on Precious. Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to make the argument that he's going to be a good offensive player. It's that's my big question with him. I I've been saying for a long time like the concern with him is offense. I don't know how the best way to use him is, or I don't know like how he should be used. And I've come up with that to see that that's how I'd want him to be used now. Whether he can be successful there or not is another question. That's not what I have 100% faith in, but like just, just thinking how he'll be used is important. Um, I will say that his game versus Tulane this year was one of his better passing games. Um, if you haven't watched it or to anyone listening, I'd recommend that one because even though he only had two assists in that game, I think he had some actually pretty impressive passes there, although they didn't always lead to buckets. Um, but yeah, I mean, his offense is a very big question mark. The hope is that he can just be somewhat neutral on that end so where his defense will bring the value. Yep. Yeah, I'll quickly uh, say uh, just, just like one final point. Um, I mean, I think I have seen some good passing. I think the UConn game is another one where, like, as like a DHO operator and like in more like in more strict sets and like more learn read types, where he's been able to make a pass. But the issue is like if he's in anything but like a super boxed in role, if he's given any freedom to decision make, he he's gonna be a disaster as a passer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And um, one last thing, it. sorry. Yeah, one last thing. Um, what Max said with his with his shot mate, like his shot selection. Yeah, it's really bad. But I do think if you're playing him in a center role, um, especially to make Toronto, I don't think it will be that hard for a team to just get that out of the system. Um, so, so yeah, I mean that's that's a problem, and I mean that's not like bad shot ma- or bad shot selection is not like the only bad thing. Like that's also feel and decision making. But I do think that specific thing of shot selection will hopefully, or I think it'd be pretty cleaned up pretty easily. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their best upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Oh no! Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you Manscaped for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Men, start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their third generation trimmer, featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer 
and more precise trimming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. Your balls will thank you. Uh, should we move on to Tyshawn, who I think we all like a lot, definitely someone yeah. we've talked up on the pod. Uh, but Zach, I think, had a specific angle that he wanted to uh, approach Tyshawn from. Yeah, so, so Tyshawn's very interesting. Um, I, I mean, we, should, we should add, sorry, that Tyshawn Alexander went 37 to Washington. Right, okay, yeah. So, so Tyshawn's very interesting. Um, I'm not like some very all-in guy on him. I mean, I really like him. I think he's going to be a... a good role player i view him like he has a lot of stylistic similarities to Catavius caldwell pope um not that they're the same player i think kcp is a better defender i think kcp is a much more dynamic shooter off the ball um but i think they're both off ball guards who can shoot who can defend but they're going to be um limited defensively a little because of their size and their height um and they're also actually like they're both good passers i know tyshawn is a little bit underrated as a passer but i think kcp also as underrated as a passer. I've actually posted a few videos of just their similarities and showing them being used in the same actions and how they do this stuff. And something that happened with KCP this year um, is, is guys, I mean, these are two really good offensive players in Kawhi Leonard and Jamar DeRozan, but when they're matched up against Contavious Caldwell Pope, Josh Hart, or these other guard defenders who are trying to defend wings, these wings can just shoot over them so easily with their height or they can back them down with some strength. So, so while Tyshawn's a really good defender, I think he will be limited to more guard defenders. I mean, obviously there are those, those, those wings who are just spot up shooters that he can defend, but he should, he probably won't be defending many ball handling wings. Um, but it doesn't mean he's not a good player. Like he's, he's going to be, in my opinion, a good three and D guard instead of like a, a three and D who can defend wings, but that's still a valuable player. Yeah, but I think it is important to note that there are pretty strict limits on the impact of guard defense. Like, right. I mean, Marcus Smart, for example, like maybe the best guard defender in the league, but, you know, he's not someone you can just stick on Paul George or Kevin Durant. Like, the big wings are just going to shoot over him, uh, and they're going to score a lot. Uh, <laughs> because it, it's, I mean, you just have no answer for that. And, like, e- even as a guy like Marcus Smart, who's outlier strong and is great at at like gener- at creating leverage against bigger players. Like it doesn't matter when that's not how, you know, the player you're defending plays. Uh, so with a guy who's a defense first prospect, like, like Tyshawn and, you know, at his size, it's definitely worth considering. But um, I mean, in contrast to someone like Dotson uh, where they are very different players in the NBA, you're probably talking about a similar role um, where you're an off ball offensive player, and uh, defensively, you're a guard defender, although Tyshawn probably has more positional versatility as a defender than Dotson does. But it, it's interesting to think because they're very different. They're very different college players, but they project to similar offensive roles. I mean, they project, project to similar NBA roles. And I think you could certainly make the case that Tyshawn's skill set is, is better suited for that NBA role than Dotson's even. Yeah, and, and you and I were talking about this the other day. I, I think I, I think it might have been me who brought up this point. Like, I would prefer Tyson Alexander to Dotson, like just because of that. What you said, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's very interested, uh, interesting thing to look at these college players. And yeah, they're different college players, like you said. But just projecting them to the next level, they're probably going to be in the same role because once you get to the NBA on these teams, these teams have star players that are going to have the ball. So you have to be able to play off the ball as well. And and that yeah, that's where the difference comes in. Yeah, it just yeah. it might not matter that much that Dotson, you know, 
has superior balance and strength and and like I think is it you know has more rim gravity to whatever extent he does. Uh, it, it just might not matter that much because that's that's not something that factors in. Yeah, I'm looking for role players and guys like Tyshawn. Uh, I mean, aside from like those like elite high upside traits like 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 Dawson Spurs, you're looking for guys who can really scale and and add value without taking up usage. And that's the thing I really like for Tyshawn. And something that I think works in Washington uh, next to John Wall. Or, I mean, if Bradley Bill's trade, whatever he's not, works next to Beal. Uh, I know Washington drafted Kyra Lewis earlier in this class, so it works next to him potentially in the long term. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good fit there. Um, and, it's, and it's pretty good value at like in like the late 30s. So. Should we move on to Aaron Henry to Memphis at 40? Sure. I made that question. Yeah, um, I'll your pick, so. Yeah, so I was I was a little bummed that I missed out on Nate Hinton <laughs> for spot before me, but I was totally fine to fall back on on Henry, who uh, has definitely I think more utility as an individual defender, has multi position utility, and crucially can just do a lot more after drawing a closeout. Now the question with him is, will he draw closeouts? Is he that level of shooter? But once he's putting the ball on the floor. I think Henry has much more of an intermediate game. Um, as we as we know, he he loves righty finishes and floaters, even though he shoots uh, with his left hand. Because I th- I think he Zach is a righty. Zach, you got him to admit yeah. this on um, on PBC that that Aaron Henry is in fact a righty. Yeah. So yeah. So we had a film session with him at PBC, and I'll talk about that a little more in a second. But but yeah, I, I asked him what went around his finishing with his right even though he shoots his left and he pretty much said that he told a story behind it if you guys are interested you can look at that i don't want to get too far into it but but he said that he pretty much has everything in life with his right besides shoot <laughs> yeah, yeah and i mean it shows up on a basketball court because he, he's very clearly writing when doing anything but shooting jump shots um but i think uh henry's also a superior passer to hinton um especially on the interior like he's very good as a drop-off passer um so yeah, I I like him a lot as a guy who can take probably the aside from big wings will take, you know, whatever the best perimeter threat is on an opposing team and and probably, you know, make life fairly difficult for them. And then if his shot is at a point where he's drawing closeouts, he does a lot more I think after uh after that closeout comes than than someone like Hinton or or you know anyone in this range. Um so I like that a lot for Memphis. I was pre- I was pretty happy with that. Uh but I guess we'll we'll let Zach um you know talk on that a little bit. Yeah, so I actually thought this was really nice value. I, I love the pick. Um, I think Memphis is one of the better spots for Henry. I, I guess, I mean, there's so many spots that he fits because I do think that while, while he does need to increase his three-point volume, um, if that does increase, I think he has the perfect skill set to be in a low-usage role and have an impact on offense like he did at Michigan State. Um, like we saw Michigan State – he shot the ball well. I mean, people are people question his shot, which is fair. It doesn't look the best. But on catch-and-shoot shots, on spot-up shots, he's been a good shooter. Over two years, he shot 40% on catch-and-shoot threes. Um, the reason that his numbers this year weren't great from three was because he struggled in transition and um, shots off the dribble. So he does need to improve some shot versatility as well. But I, I think that he can attack closeouts. He can finish with either hand, although he prefers his right. He can dump it off. He can still do a dribble pull-up. He can shoot the three. Um, he just can do so much without having the ball in his hands that brings value offensively. Plus, he's probably one of the best perimeter defenders in this class um, who can switch on to multiple positions. There was 
possessions this year where he was guarding Tyrese Maxey or Ayo Desumu or Anthony Cowan or Xavier Simpson. Um, and then he also would defend some 6'7", 6'8", wings who have a little bit of height on him, but he still makes it tough for them. So, so yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. Um, and then one more thing I will say about our film session with him is he, he does seem like a, a genuine person. And I was actually really impressed with his ability to showcase his IQ on both ends of the floor. He talked about a lot when watching film, how you have to know how to relocate when playing next to Cassius Winston and how he did that and how he learned that. So I really like him as a player. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. Henry fan as well. Um, probably like like one of the better like lay down passers in this draft. And that's like a really useful skill, um, especially in a low usage closeout attacking role. If, if, if the shot comes around, because th- those layup passes are just really high value. Um, higher value than kickouts, and like just, just just being able to like add value in like like I said with Tyshawn, being able to add value without usage is something that Henry projected to do well if the spot up translates, which I think again like there's definitely reason to believe it will. Yeah, I mean just continue to add to like that stacked uh, young core in Memphis. Um, it's like a really good slot, and again like Memphis, um, like like wing defender is like wing defenders are something they could use because I mean Dylan Brooks isn't incredible there. Um, so they could just use more guys to defend the wing. And yeah, I mean, that's just a good slot. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan of the pick. Yeah, I will say that um, I didn't want to like oversell the shot. Like it's not like 100% he's going to shoot. But there, there's there's reason to have faith there, like you said. And I mean, the numbers in catch and shoot situations have looked good. Um, volume does need to go up. But but like I said, what else could you want from a low usage guy on offense? Like that's, that's pretty much what you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, someone who whose shooting projection is not questionable at all. Uh, and it was uh, Aaron Henry's teammate at Michigan State is uh, Cassius Winston, who Ben took 45th for Orlando. Um, and in contrast to to Bomaro, Cassius Winston is the off-the-dribble creator that Orlando, you know, kind of kind of desperately needs. Uh, obviously, just outrageous shooter. Um uh, the reason I'm a bit lower on Cassius than than like specifically Malachi Flynn, but also Nico, um, is that I think I and mean, he's a much worse defender than both of those guys. I think like with his size and just you know effort and off ball ability, like he's just so much worse than those guys. And I think it's going to be a really big problem on defense in the NBA. And then I'm also a little a little lower on Cassius's passing. Like he's a great pick and roll passer. Of course he has that signature like wrap around pass to the roll man, um, like around the big defender. That's very fun. Um, but I, he, I don't love his vision at all times. Like I think he, he misses some stuff that he should definitely see, uh, make some bad decisions. Uh, so I, I just think that he's, he's a less, uh, I'm less enthusiastic about him as a passer than, than like Malachi, uh, and just with the defense on top of that, he's a bit lower for me. But I, I think this ma- this pick makes a fair amount of sense. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I think I think definitely it, like as an alternative to Bulmaro, just as like a short term, like this guy comes yeah. in and is a crazy off the dribble shooter. Uh, definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'll say in not taking Riller, I, I wanted to get Winston from the. Th- from the moment I made that pick, I, I mean, I knew Malachi wouldn't fall that far, and I figured Winston would. Um, I hoped he would, and he was. So, I mean, I just like that as a contrast and a, and a foil there, like you've been saying. Probably a little higher on the playmaking than you are. Um, I mean, yes, he's not perfect as a decision maker, and he's probably a little worse this year than he's been in the past, but I still believe in it uh, to a pretty decent extent. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just love it as like an upsidey kind of swing because yeah, I mean, there's a chance that Malachi is is never really able to to make the most of his shooting because of athletic deficiencies or just being totally uh, awful on defense. But again, like the Magic have the infrastructure to to insulate him as much as possible on defense. I mean, from a guard and a wing and potentially a big perspective. And if he's really an uber elite pull-up shooter and, and just overall shot maker, then I think it makes a lot of sense. And he's someone who could add a lot of value, even like not, not as like a primary creator type, but someone who plays off the ball and someone who plays off the bench. And I think like at 45, it's like, though I'm not like, I'm very, been very vocal about not wanting to take like backup point guardy types generally in like the mid-second. I, I'd rather swing on a wing or even like a more useful, unique kind of big. But I mean, I think this like team context wise and just like fit wise makes a lot of sense for, for the magic. So I, that's why I did that pick. Yeah, I should also add in contrast to Malachi, I have a lot more skepticism of, of Cassius as a finisher. Uh, just whereas Malachi is like a really, really crafty, um, you know, he'll break out like wrong foot, uh, like wrong hand, like he'll, he'll, he shields the ball well, like, you know, forces guys to foul him. Like I, I have more concerns about Cassius where he just, you know, th- launches himself into some more hopeless rim attempts, uh, and definitely concerns about him getting there just with his lack of burst. Um, but just a crazy shooter. Uh, and I mean, obviously it was an incredible college player. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love this pick for Orlando. Um, truly special shot maker at the college level. Honestly, one of the best college players I've, I've seen. I mean, his, his shooting over his last three years in college on spot-up shots was 50% from three. 50.3%. 89 for 177 on spot-up no dribble threes over the last three years. Over his Ridiculous. career in college. Insane shooter. Insane yeah. shooter. I'm sorry. Over his career in college on spot-up no dribble threes, 47%. 96 or 98 for 207. So this... Just an incredible shooter and shot maker. Now, whether you think that some of the shot making will translate or not to the Lex level is another question. I mean, that's just spot up shooting. And that's not talking about his ability to come off screens and shoot off movement or ability to shoot off the dribble. Like something that I really like about him is in the pick and roll, just his ability to shoot off balance with forward momentum is so crucial in the pick and roll when defenders are going over screens. Because a defender, if they go under a screen versus him, he's pulling up and making the three. But if they go over and they're on his back, he has the ability to lean forward and still knock down the shot. So this that's why this year he was just killing so many drop coverages. So it's weird. I'm not even a big – I probably one of the ones who don't like player comparisons at all. But – I had the Tyshawn KCP one, and I, I do think that another um, avenue for Cassius Winston is in a Devontae Graham type of role on offense. Yeah. That, that's where I could see him bringing value. Um, I think those are the only two comparisons I've made all year, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with them because I don't <laughs> like comparisons that much, and they're taken out of context a lot. But but seeing him succeed in a Devontae Graham type of role is is – I can see that pretty not not pretty easily, yeah. but it's pretty clear at least that like that's, he that's, is yeah. even smaller than yeah, Dallas, correct? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a little smaller, but um, probably a little stockier, I think. Um, but like not to the point where it really matters. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the aesthetics on on the pull up, like out of out of pick and roll, like Zach mentioned, it is very much like Devonte Kemba style, like you know, no daylight, stop on a dime, launch that thing. And it's just wild. I mean, he takes he takes and makes the craziest shots. Yeah. He's just an unbelievable shooter. Yeah, I think Devontae um, is a pretty solid comparison aesthetic and just role-wise as someone who is like allergic to the rim was terrible inside the arc uh, this year, Devontae was. And I think that's probably what Cash is going to be as well. But, but like we saw with elite pull-up shooting, Devontae was able to add value on offense for a Charlotte team 
that really needed offense. And I think, yeah, it's a good comparison. And it's like one of the only good ones along with, you know, Precious and Kenneth Reed. Um, that's another good one. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say back to Malachi, just a quick second. Um, while, while he is a good finisher, I, I do think that he doesn't get to the basket as much as you'd like. Um, Malachi, no, by the way. So, so that's something to bring up with him as well. Just don't Malachi is too, he's too willing to take floaters and he's very good no. at floaters, but, but yeah, he, his rim frequency, I think was, was only like 20% in the half court, which is not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah, and, and, and and like I, I did a thing of rating all all of these guards that are projected to be drafted, ranking them by their frequency getting to the basket just out of the pick and roll, mm-hmm. and and he was at the he was towards the bottom, like the, the bottom were Elijah Hughes, Nico Mannion, Tyrell Terry, Anthony Edwards, and Desmond Bain. Like those all make sense with Lamelo and Ramsey, and then Malachi Flynn. So he's down there with them. I mean, yeah. Cassius Winston is down there as well, but like those all make sense for being bottom, not attacking the rim that much. So I would say Malachi is not that aggressive in attacking the basket, although he has nice handles. Um, maybe he can improve there as well. But but yeah, he doesn't get to the rim as much as you'd like. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with yeah. that. Following the senseless murders of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and countless other black community members at the hands of police officers, we want to ensure that we do what we can to make a tangible impact on those communities as we grow. Armchair Media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. If you've ever been dismissed as having an unrealistic career path, if you've ever butted heads with parents or teachers because they don't recognize exactly what you want to do with your life, if you have feared to express yourself or put your work into the world due to potential backlash, we strongly encourage you to apply. We recognize there are creatives out there who may have bypassed college to pursue other avenues, who didn't get into college because their passions didn't translate to collegiate testing, or who did not have access to the financial means to pay for college. This is why there are only three requirements for eligibility. Black creative under the age of 21, and you submit a project, graphic design, photography, writing, audio, video, journalism, creative writing, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. That's scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. Um, so that's our last draft pick that we wanted to talk about. Um, so let's just uh, let's move into just some guys who have popped recently for us. Um, Zach, do you want to go first? Yeah, so, so, so two guys I've been watching recently. One... Um, is Caleb Holmesley with Liberty. Um, I think yes. he, has, he has one of the best touch on floaters in the class. Pretty ridiculous. And he's also a really good passer for his size. Um, I think it's sort of unfortunate for for him this year where we're not sure if we're having a summer league or what's going on with that because so many of these fringe prospects aren't going to have or they might not have the opportunity to showcase their skills um, in front of everyone or even who knows if they're going to get in for workout. So um, all the uncertainty sucks for someone like him or all these other fringe guys, but I would just say he's someone else that I've been watching recently, and I'm hopefully to work on a piece on him deeper. Um, and then I'm currently working on a piece right now of underrated second-round players, and we talked about Aaron Henry and Tyson Alexander, but another one is Trent Forrest, who I think is going to go undrafted. Um, not that he's uh, a very guaranteed good player, but I think that – he's a good player where you don't require any draft capital into him. Like he does, it doesn't require you to, to invest any draft capital into him. You can get him on a two way um, or just as an undrafted free agent. It wouldn't even be that crazy to me to get him at the end of the second round. Um, I, I haven't been able to talk to him directly, but everything that I've heard um, and seen, he seems like a really, really nice guy. People don't know that he played on uh, with turf toe last year. I mean, the Gonzaga game, um, he almost brought them back in Sweet 16 versus Gonzaga, and he ended up getting surgery two weeks later because he had this injury since, like, November of the year. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, his shots, the question mark with his game. I do think that uh, he has shown his volume has increased from three over the last three years and the efficiency has improved, but I mean, there's a confidence problem there where he passes up shots and he still has a lot um, of work to do there to actually require teams to close out on him and get them to respect his shot. But he's such a good defender um, and he has decent size for a guard defender as well to where if the shot does come around, there's a pretty easy path for him to be at least an NBA role player. So for a, for a guy that won't require you to really invest any draft capital into, it sounds like a pretty good guy to look yeah. into. I love Caleb Holmesley. So, I mean, I am a big fan as well. I mean, just, I mean, like I said, the shot, but I, I mean, I'm pretty intrigued by how I, he's someone, I mean, assuming he gets, like, like I said, no uh, Portsmouth, no something like he's going to hurt for his chances. But if he does get a chance, I'm someone who's interested because to see how he shoots. Because we talked about, you know, how like touch is kind of nebulous because it's hard to get like an actual, like a, like a genuine sample of runners, but he has like a genuine sample of runners. Over his four years, he's 60 for 118, which is, 51% on runners, which is really, really good. He has, like, like Zach said, incredible touch. And then, like, although the free throw numbers have never been good, he was under 60 this year, which is terrible. Um, though the, the, he, it's been a little better over the rest of his career, and his volume isn't great. On isn't amazing on free throws. Like, he, he shows some versatility. Like, he shoots off movement, and, like, the shot looks good. He has, like, a pretty smooth release. And then he, like, he has good long two numbers. So, yeah, I mean, just that. And then the fact that he's already 24 – um, is not a, a great thing. He's super old, which is, I mean, which is an issue for projecting projecting future improvement. But yeah, I mean, just someone who, I mean, hits like crazy lab dribble passes, has pretty awesome burst, is, can, can dribble really well, and is big, and is super, super fun to watch. So yeah, I mean, Holmes is one of my favorites. And I like Trent Forrest a lot too, but I won't touch too too much on him. I think yeah, he's so, a kind of underrated upside bet with yeah, his defense. So, and, Holmes also had actually an injury, like I think it was two or three years ago. I don't want to like say for sure because I don't remember the exact day, but uh, yeah, he had an injury also that he was recovering from. But yeah, the weird thing is, I didn't even mean to do this, but um, there were 64 Division One players this year with at least 50 runner attempts, and only seven of them had at least one point per possession. And Holmesley and Trent Forrest are actually both in that um, in that group. So those are two out of the seven who have a good amount of um, runner possessions this year out of the 64 who are very efficient on them as well, which was just weird because I didn't even plan that at all. Yeah, Holmesley rocks. Yeah, I haven't seen Holmesley, uh, but Forrest does kind of strike me as a guy who makes sense on a two-way because just, I mean, the skills that are in place already, if you can just get him to shoot, he is, you know, pretty valuable NBA player. Uh, and I mean, like you said, there, there are at least like minor reasons to buy into him as a shooter, just on account of the the runner touch and the free throw over the last two years is, is really good. He's 79.7% on on 246 attempts over the last two years. Um, so there's, I guess, some reason to buy in. Uh, I don't think someone I would draft, probably not not someone I'd want on an NBA contract, but if he's if he's a guy you can persu- persuade to take a two-way, that, that type of guy who's just kind of a shot away from being, you know, a, a guy worth rostering, I think is the type of guy you want to spend yeah. a two-way on as opposed to like a small scoring guard who, yeah. who we see, you know, on, on a fair amount of two-ways. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Uh, ben, do you want to get into yeah. your guys? I have quite a few guys, so I'll try to go quickly. Uh, quickly, I'll go with a, a 2021 guy who has become my new favorite 2021 guy, and that's Andre Jackson. He is a UConn commit. Um, super, super good athlete. Um, I'm looking up quick measurements. Yeah, six foot six, about wing. I think it's a little bigger than that. Crazy athlete, awesome vertically. Um, 
is like known for poster highlights, but like I, I caught him against um, like B- BJ Boston and AOT, um, who's awesome. But yeah, I mean, he's like really impressive everywhere but shooting. Like he is an awesome passer, like has really good feel for the game, makes good decisions off the ball, and has shown some like pocket passes with off a of live dribble uh, with both hands, some like some live dribble feeds in transition. Um, and then defensively, is really, really smart. Um, makes good rotations, does have a tendency to overhelp, and is occasionally like not perfect with his rotations, but is just like a really great um, active defender and moves really well on the ball. Like he, I, I love that he's always moving. His energy levels are crazy. His motor's awesome. Always fighting for offensive rebounds, diving for loose balls, making big plays. I mean, the thing with him is that like he is an awful shooter. I think like Zach mentioned, like, like replied this one of my tweets about him that like he was in like the zeroth percentile as a, a catch and shoot shooter um, in high school. I mean, I think there are reports that he like drastically improved his his three point and free throw percentage over his senior season in high school. But like, take that with a grain of salt because high school stats are never really good and competition level is not that great. But yeah, I mean, he, I think he's around fifty in RSCI, which is probably about right. Um, but I, I'm really excited to watch him next year at UConn uh, with James Booknight and a Coca Coke and Tyler Pauly. I mean, ho- hopefully back and healthy. Um, they have an exciting team, and Andre Jackson, probably not a 2020 draft guy, um, or a 2021 draft guy, maybe. I mean, he's got so many skills, but just the shooting is really worrisome. Yeah, my favorite, my new favorite 2020 guy, I think. And then quickly, I'll go to the other guys. Um, I have Christian Doolittle, who is six foot seven, Oklahoma wing. One of the weirdest shooting profiles I've ever seen. Um, six foot seven, like, like a career, like 80 ish percent free throw shooter, but is like one of the better tall pull up shooters in the country, I think. Like he's around 70, 70th percentile on pull up on pull up jumpers uh, this year, and at six foot, like on one hundred forty six attempts, which is a lot of volume, and among six foot seven or taller guys, he's the best pull up shooter in the country. Um, but then you look at he took six spot up no dribble jumpers this year, and then last year he took zero spot up no dribble jumpers. So he is so like he doesn't shoot catch and shoots, like, like he just never does it. Um, so it's really really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, someone who I mean, again, like, like he's not a very good passer and he's not a great defender, but like at six foot seven, someone who could be a really good shooter. Um, I'm buying as like a fringe top 100 guy. I'm just fascinated to see what actually happens with the shot because it's so strange statistically. And then my last guy is like a more fun guy. Is this is Marshall sophomore Tavion Kinsey, who I, I absolutely love. One of my favorite mid major guys. Six foot five, freaky athlete. Um, last year as a like a six foot five freshman had like 60 dunks or something which is like in the top 20 in the country or top 25, like ridiculous athlete is used like, like Marshall runs like backdoor cuts and half court offense for lobs. He's used as a role man where he catches lobs. And then this year he actually made strides as like quite a bit of, of improvement of ball players. His handle has improved a lot. Um, he's become like a mid range shot maker, which, which bode well, bodes well for the future. Really smart defender. Uh, so yeah, again, someone who's like a very fringy prospect at this point probably is going to be a, a four-year guy at Marshall and will be a junior next year. But a, a guy who I is one of my favorite players in all of college basketball to watch and someone who I think could be a genuine prospect in the future because of how great of an athlete he is and the skill development he showed over his second year at Marshall where he kind of became the guy there. So Yeah, he's a pretty incredible athlete. And just seeing him play in transition this year, was is, is pretty. it's a fun watch for sure. Super fun. <laughs> Uh, the only thing that I wanted to do was talk more about Xavier Tillman um, because I've been work- I've been workshopping a take that I don't necessarily believe, but I think it's good for the brand. Uh, and Zach disagrees with it very strongly. But my take that I've been that I've been uh, you know I don't know about buying into, but 
I, I'm I'm putting it out there that Xavier Toman was the real best player in college basketball last year because mm. he was so good. And yes, you can you can say that he had better surrounding talent than Obi Toppin and that he wasn't the offensive uh, hub that Toppin was, but oh my god, he was so so dominant as a defender, unbelievable rim protector with his intelligence and length. Um, like just, just like comical levels of, of dominance against like really, really good, uh, centers you know, throughout the big 10. Like Daniel uh, Aturu. Yeah. And, and then just like, well, no, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Aturu is a fine college player. Um, and, and just like wow. Max, like Daniel Aturu, breaking like, news. Who, who is the second best, like impromptu screener in the class because it like Tillman just like setting random screens throughout a possession or, or like sealing guys off is is the best by such a huge margin in this class um just like w- what he does on a on a possession but by, by possession basis as a defender just like shutting down passing lanes with his length and positioning uh you know like tagging Roman and cutters um he's just so unbelievable like this year uh, gonna bring some stats into this. Tillman oh. posted the, the 12th highest uh, PIPM in the PIPM database, which stretches back to 2005. So that's 80,000 seasons, and he posted the 12th highest at plus 8.23. And then his uh, his his PIPM last year of plus 7.84 was 23rd highest in the database of over 80,000 seasons. Um, so I, I think he's the only guy in this database with two. Uh, top 25 seasons i think the only with two top 50 even just an unbelievably dominant college player uh so fun to watch just like focus in on him for every possession of the game on both ends like i mentioned already with the screening uh on the ball but like watch him every off ball possession too on both ends because he's an incredible player and just was so fun to watch are you done talking about xavier tillman yeah Yeah, no no uh xavier tillman was a very, very good and dominant college basketball player this year. I, I can't question that. I, I personally just think that Toppin was the better college player because of what you said, the role and everything. I mean, it doesn't even sound like you buy your own take. You say you're not yeah, even I, 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 It I, sounds I, like you're I, saying I, it just to say it, but, but I, it's, I, he's a really I, good player. I like to say it. I probably only like 45% buy it, but I, I think he was at worst the second best. Oh, yeah. um, he, he was he was a really good player. Um, I, I do think good. there's something to say. It's like, I mean, Cassius Winston is the guy who's doing the offense over there. I mean, I, I do think that Cassius was great with the shot making this year. I actually don't think he played. I think he could have had a better season, honestly, for Cassius Winston. But um, yeah, I don't think he was as good as he had been. But 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 yeah, uh, Xavier Tillman is a truly incredible college player. Very very impactful. Um, there's there's not much you can't really criticize that at all. No, I just I love him. I'm I'm so bummed. Like I get so sad now. Like the the irony of watching Michigan State, San Diego State, Kansas after the fact is so painful because they were they're just teams that should have had a shot, especially with upperclassmen or seniors, uh, you know, who had no more eligibility in in like uh, Yudoka Azubuki and and Cassius Winston, and then just upperclassmen who you know you know, they're well within their rights to go to the NBA and probably, you know, should be given where their stock uh, is at. And like Tillman and Malachi Flynn. I'll throw Miles Caldwell for Seton Hall. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like all, all these guys who, who in this uh, 2019, 20 college season just didn't get their chance to, you know, immortalize themselves. Uh, it really, really sucks. And it's just like, 
it, it's genuinely painful watching after the fact. Like I obviously love watching basketball, but I, I just, I feel really bad for these kids because like they, these were some, some really awesome teams, even in a, in a down year. And it's a shame they never got their shot. Yeah, it was so, a good year for different reasons. I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see the end. But I mean, at least we have live basketball back. Um, yep. You yes. guys are watching Balmaro. I mean, what Max didn't say is that Barcelona actually lost today. But that's <laughs> your opinion. But, but we'll see. I'm, 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 I'm going to go ahead and watch the game after your this. Opinion, man. Um, I saw a few nice tips of him um, in the game. I want to watch the full game and see how it is. But excited to go watch that. All right, I think that'll probably do it for uh, for today. Zach, thank you so much for coming on. It, we this has been an, an odyssey trying to get you on here. You were supposed to be, I think, our second guest, maybe back on episode yeah. three, yeah. but you, you big timed us and, and backed <laughs> out. Zach, we Zach finally us forever. We finally caught the the whale here. We got Zach <laughs> on the podcast for two thanks, episodes. Thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, if you guys ever need me again, more than happy to come on. Oh, now you uh, want to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, do, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, no, I guess just just follow me on Twitter at ZachMilner13. And um, if you want to check out some of my scouting reports on the Stepien, check those out. Or I'm, I'm working on an underrated or under um, overlooked second rounders or undrafted free agent piece. Or I'm going to turn it into a series. So just look out for those. And um, with Pro B-Ball Combine, we've been putting out a lot of film sessions. I'm not on all of them. I've been on the ones with Grant Riller. Aaron Henry, and we have one with Najee Marshall coming out, but there's so many good ones oh. out there that should be watched about. Yeah, th- those are. I think we've shouted those out before, yeah. but definitely check out the Xavier Tillman one. Also, he's I'm as smart as he's he is. The Eve, so excited for the Eve Ponds one. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think also I think the Najee one is breaking news here. I don't, I don't think John's talked about that yet, has he? He has not. So, Captain Pro breaking news. Um, even though, even though he, <laughs> even though he very well very well may announce it uh before this episode comes out uh which is which is like like over like almost a week from today um when we're recording so yeah I think that'll actually do it like for us uh once again thank you Zach it was Max and I had a blast I'm sure and I I hope you all will enjoy listening you can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod on Twitter follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore follow Max at Max at Carla and. I'm still doing five-star review bribe, so leave five-star review, send me a screenshot, and I'll send you uh, one-game notes from a player of your uh, a player of your choice. Uh, yeah, because those, those five-star reviews are super helpful and appreciate everyone who leaves them, who says very nice things about us, uh, makes us very happy. So yeah, um, that's all we have. So have a nice day, and we'll see you later. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.